0: Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 8, we're going to look at uh, some great stuff today, wonderful, wonderful stuff. John chapter 8, and a little review from last week, we talked in the first section of John chapter 8, and we talked about this idea of, you know, being ready to throw stones, right? And... and, uh, In that first section there, we see three players, really. The religious leaders, they were ready to throw the stones. We see the woman who was caught in adultery. And then we see Jesus. And, you know, these self-righteous leaders, they were trying to trap Jesus. They were ready to judge the woman. They thought they were perfect. They had this attitude, like they were so much, you know, holier than she was. And, and, you know, Jesus kind of comes into the middle of this whole thing and, and, and he says, that though, though we know the woman was certainly not without, without guilt, Jesus says, you know, if any, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. He wrote in the dust, in the dirt there, and, and, and these all, ten, you know, they ended up going away one by one, the oldest first, until it was just Jesus and the woman. And that's kind of how we end up. It's G, between Jesus and ourselves. We're going to stand before him. And that's, you know, it's between us and him in the end. That's really how it is. So, you know, I think the the long and short of it is that we need to be developing that relationship with Jesus now. You and I. He told her this. He said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said this as well, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn. He doesn't condemn you and I. But he also has a better way. He has a, a break with the past. He has a new start. He wants to put us on a new path. Does, don't just go and stay in the same old rut. He says, go and sin no more. I've got something for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got purposes for you. When I was just thinking about this, I, I, I remembered the, you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector found in Luke chapter 18. And you had these two guys that you know, they come to pray, right? And the Pharisee comes and he's praying and he's kind of proud and some of the translations say he was praying to himself and some say he was praying about himself you know he says you know I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector over there you know all you know way better than than the other guy is and and then the tax collector what does he say he says god be merciful he wouldn't even look up he says god be merciful to me a sinner and, and Jesus, summing up, he said, you know, which one of these were you know, justified? Which one was right in the end? And obviously we know the answer. It wasn't the one who was all proud and self-righteous. It was the one who, who you know, realized, I'm just a sinner, and I, you know, I, I am desperately in need of the grace and the mercy of God. He's the one who went away justified. Now today, <clears throat> let me ask you about this. Does anybody? Any of you have this? <clears throat> Maybe you're just plain sad today, and because really, this isn't the season to be getting this, right? Because it's really you know winter is like the worst, and and when it's, when people sometimes when people when fall comes they start to like already start to. You know, slide and and you know, it's just winter is gonna be so dark and and everything is like that. It's a it's a type of depression and it's related really to the seasons, the changes of the seasons. And and you know you know what the treatment for it is? Do you know what the treatment for it is? No, you say God, you know, that's the, the answer that, you know, the three year olds, you know, when you ask him a question, every answer is God, Jesus, or Holy Spirit. Okay? And you think if you just throw the God thing out, then he's going to say, yeah, that's it. Beca- you know, no. Sorry. Someone, someone did have the right answer over here, though. Who was it? Of Oh, the birth. Uh, the girl. It's light. Light therapy, right? And they want you to go out and buy this uh, box, this light box, and then in the morning, they say, I guess it's better in the morning if you do it. You, you, I've never done it, and I've never seen anybody do it, but I guess you, you get the light, and you turn the light box on, and then you stand in front of it, like for, I don't know, five minutes or something. And then you're going to feel better. So let's all get one. Go buy a light box. I'm sure they're not cheap because they're probably these these special kind of bulbs, you know, that only, you know, the doctors can authorize or whatever. I'm sure it's something like that. And insurance, you know, won't pay for it and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know how it goes. We were joking about this, you know, the older you get, all you ever talk about is doctors and doctors' appointments. (laughs) That's all you're talking about. Well, I went to the doctor this week. Never mind. I did, but I'm not going to tell you what happened. John chapter 8, verse 12, you can go by a light box, or John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So I guess you could say that God is the right answer, or Jesus is the right answer in the end. But you gotta follow the, you got to follow my thinking. I know that's difficult. That's kind of hard to do. But you got to follow the, the progression here. The world says, just get a box. Just turn on this light. It's going to make you feel better. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And that if we follow him, we're not going to walk in darkness. We're going to have the light of life. That's pretty exciting, if you ask me. Now, during, you know, during the Feast of Tabernacles, which was just you know, over, just finished in our, in our, our uh, following of the Scripture here, they would remember, again, the time in the wilderness, the 40 years in the wilderness where, where God took care of them, where God provided for them. But one of the things they would also remember was the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, right? where God would lead them. And, 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 and so they would light candelabras in the temple area during this celebration of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so then Jesus now, he's, he speaks again to the people, and he says, listen, I am the light of the world. And, you know, I, it's one of these things where we can just gloss over it. Oh, Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, let's move on. But there is so much there. When you, when you break it down, when you think about it, and that's what I love to do with, with the Scripture, is to kind of like dig into it and find out, well, what is he talking about, and what do those words really say? And what do those words really mean, and how can I apply it to me? Does it, does it even have anything to do with my life? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Does that or should that affect your life, my life, at all? I think so. Jesus didn't just say stuff to hear himself speak like those Pharisees did. They loved to hear their own voice. Some of us love to hear our own voices. We talk too much. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> but Jesus says these, you know, he says these words for you and I because he wants us to know that he's the light of the world and he's the light for you and for me. But notice this. He says, I am the light of the world. And you say, well, <clears throat> that's interesting, but the reason that it is interesting, because in the Gospel of John, there are seven times that he uses this kind of a statement where he says, I am, and then, in this particular case, the light of the world. Seven times. Now, one of the things that, if you look back to the Old Testament, if you look back into the book of Exodus, you know, God said this to Moses. Moses said, you know, well, if I go, God said, you know, go and set my people free. Pharaoh, you're going to get my people out of there, out of Egypt, right? And, and, and God says, well, if I go and I speak to them, or if I speak to the people of Israel, you know, during this whole time, he's speaking to both, really. Who should I say sent me? And what does he say? He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So when you begin to look and and compare these things and the the things that Jesus said, and in fact, the the name Yahweh uh, literally can be translated, I am that I am, or I am the the being, the being one, I am who I am. When Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, I am, what is he telling us? Who is he making himself out to be? This is why, you can say God here. Go ahead. Thank you. you got to be ready for it now. Pay attention. You know, he's making himself out to be God, and that's why these Pharisees got so angry at him, because they didn't, They didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. They they wanted to, you know, get him out of there. Some of the other statements, I just want to put them on the screen for you. The seven statements uh, in John chapter 6, we've already looked at it. He says, I am the bread of life. Here in John chapter 8 and chapter 9, he says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, he says, I am the door or the gate. John chapter 10, also he says, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life after he, you know, in this section where he raises Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 15, he says, I am the vine. Now the bonus one, if you notice, there's actually eight up here. This is the bonus. In John chapter 8, he says, before Abraham was, he said, I am. There's no question who Jesus was professing to be. There's no question about it whatsoever in his mind. And as you truthfully and honestly look at what he said and, and the things that he said and, and, and when he said them, there's no question about who he was promising and, and proclaiming to be. Now, when you add all those up, though, that's, that's everything we need. He is everything that you and I need. He says, I am. And you and I, I think, someone, someone said this, that you and I say he is. I think when we realize everything that that he is you and i can say he is he is for you and for me he is the light of the world john chapter or first john chapter 1 another proof text if you will it says god is light and in him there is no darkness at all jesus saying here i am what The light of the world. 1 John, he's saying God is light. Can you you make any connection here? Is there any correlation here? I am the light of the world, he said. There's no darkness at all. Notice he says, I am the light. He's he's not saying I am a light, but he says I am what? The light, the one and only light. In chapter 1, he says that he was the true light. There's a lot of lights out there, little lights, but but he is the true light. He is the light. When you think about this world, and and his next statement is he was the light of the world. When you think about the world that you and I live in, and I'm not talking about way even beyond our worlds, but but in the world that you and I live in today, where do we get our light? From the sun, right? I mean, there are stars, but they're not going to light up the world. We have one son and, and you know, when the sun comes up, everything changes, right? Everything changes. Jesus saying to you and to me and to the folks back then that he was the light of the world. I want to say that he's the light of the whole world. But he's also the light of my world. He's the light of your world. Did you know that? Can you say he is? Yes. No, I mean, can you really say he is the light of my world? And you know that. And when, when you're facing darkness of all different types in the world as we do, and the world is full of darkness, and you, and you can say that he is the light of my world. He is the light of the whole world. Jesus is the light of the world. This world, the world system around us, you, you, you don't have to look very far to, to know that it's, it's full of a lot of darkness. But Jesus came, He came, and He was the light. He came in to bring light and give us the light of life. Do you have that? Do you and I know that? Can you and I say, He is the light of my life, the light of my world? Notice, he goes on in that, in that statement that he makes there, and he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me, the, the word, the, the tense is used there. As I looked it up, where? Blue-letter, Blue-letter Bible, right? Present active participle. And a participle, any, any of you English people out there, English majors, what does a part participle usually end in? You can say it. Ing. Yeah, I-N-G, ing. So basically he's saying, whoever is following me, as you and I are following after Jesus, as as we are walking, literally this word follow means to walk the same road. We're walking with him. We're we're following after Jesus. and, And, you know, you say, well, that's kind of a... That's kind of an abstract concept, isn't it? How do I follow Jesus? I can't see Him. So how do we follow Jesus? Well, we, we, we read what He says, and He gives us direction for life, and He sheds light on our path. The, the, the psalmist tells us, you know, that Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we, we, we get the Word of God in us. We're going to see it later in... In, in chapter 8, you know, where Jesus said, if you really are my disciples, you'll, you'll, you'll abide in my word and you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. So what does it mean to follow him? It means to really have a relationship with him, be talking to him, be, be listening to him. Finding out what his word says and, and living according to his word. Living according to his word. That's what we're talking about here. One uh, Bible scholar uh, said about this this section, he says says that Jesus likens himself to a torch which the disciple follows. So so we're looking for that that pillar of light. We're we're, we're following this bright light. If, If Jesus is the light of the world and the world around us is dark, well, what do you do? You follow the light. You go where the light goes. You, 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 you know, keep your eyes, the Bible says, fixed where? On Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're, 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 we're focusing on the light. We're looking towards the light, the light of the Son of God. Is that possible to do? Isn't that, you know, again, is it some strange concept that, you know, only those people who are living in, you know, some... Uh, far removed mountaintop somewhere where no one else is and they can like focus and and they can only do that? I want to tell you today that you and I can follow follow Jesus Christ today. That's what we're called to do. That's what He wants us to do. He says, and and, and look at the promises that, that even in this verse we find promises. He says, whoever is following me, following me now... Again, present active participle, present meaning now, active meaning we're, we're, we're actively doing it, and we're walking, we're living according to his teaching. He says, whoever is following me right now will never walk in darkness. Sometimes we find ourselves, our lives are full of darkness, and we wonder how, why? What is going on? My life is full of darkness. Well, are you, are you and I, are we really following Jesus? Are we listening to Him? Are we paying any attention at all? Are we following you know, the light of this world? You know, the media and, and social media and, and every other kind of media that you're going to imagine, there's, there's lights there, there's, there's messages there for us to follow. If you follow this and do this and buy this, you are going to be, you're going to look good. You're going to smell good. You're going to, you know, everybody's going to like you. Follow, follow all these things. And, and Satan, even Satan himself tried to, you know, tried to trap Jesus, you know, in the, in the temptation. You know, well, if you'll just do this and if you'll just do that. Jesus said, get out of here. Get away from me. You know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. If we're following him, we won't be in the darkness. He's the light. He's light. His presence is there with us. He is the light. C.S. Lewis, the apologist and author, he said this. He said, I believe in Christianity... As I believe that the sun, S-U-N, has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. See, the sun, the sun uh, you know, in the sky, it affects everything around us. It helps us to see. But as you and I are following Jesus, we begin to be able to see the things around us. He, he sheds light because He is the light. I want you to turn ahead with me to John chapter 12 for just a moment. John chapter 12, verse 46. By the way, this idea of light and darkness is its a huge theme all throughout the Scripture, but especially in the Gospel of John, he brings it up over and over. Chapter after chapter, he talks about the light and the darkness. But look in John chapter 12, uh, verse 46. He says, I have come into the world as a what? Light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. We don't need to stay in darkness. And, and one of the things he shows here about what it means to follow him is to believe in him or, or to trust him. I, you know, this thing about trusting and believing in him, it, it's, like, it's like at the heart of our lives. I, I, I almost can hear him saying, will you just trust me? Will you trust me? You know, the things that we face day after day, you know, and and we're trying to solve them ourselves, we're trying to figure it all out ourselves, and Jesus is there, he says, I'm the light of the world, will you trust me? I am all those things that were up on the screen, will you trust me? He says, if you believe in him, you're, you're not going to stay in the darkness. His light is gonna, gonna make everything visible. Talks about that in a, in a few other places. In 1 John, again, John writing there, uh, he says this if we claim, if we claim or pro- profess to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. We're not really walking with him. He says, but again, listen to this. Listen to the promises here. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. As we walk in the light. We're called to walk in the light. He says here, back in John chapter 8, He says, "...whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." First John, he says, we're called to walk in the light and we'll have fellowship with one another. It's very difficult for, let's say, two believers, one who is you know, walking close to Jesus and another one who's just doing his own thing and walking according to the ways of this world. It's very difficult to have fellowship. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? What fellowship does light have with darkness, he says in another place? How can we, you know, have these things going on? I read about this guy who was a professor at Stockholm University. And listen to this. It's, it's kind of interesting. He said that people are like plants. He says they're phototropic, blooming in the sunlight. Most plants need sunlight, Right? He says people feel stronger psychologically and are happier in summer and that seasonal changes in light and dark affect psychological health. That's true. Then he says Jesus is the light of the world, and when we walk in the light, we are spiritually healthy and strong. There's something about ourselves and walking in the light. We we choose where we walk, right? Jesus said, whoever follows me, we have a choice. Are we going to follow him? Are we going to walk with him? Are we going to walk in his light or not? He says, we'll have the light of life if we're following him. You all know Spurgeon, right? Spurgeon, the great English preacher. Well, Spurgeon, he lived in the 1800s, right? 18. Uh, I wrote it down to 1834 to 1892, and and so he died, you know, last part of the 1800s. So, but but he says this. Listen, he said if a man could travel so fast as always to follow the sun, of course he would always be in the light, right? In other words, he's talking about following, if you could stay up, keep up with the sun, you could always stay in the light, right? Listen to what he says. I like this. If the day should ever come when the speed of the railway shall be equal to the speed of the world's motion, then a man may so live as to never lose the light. Of course, you know, things have changed intensely, radically since that day. Now, I don't think we have trains. We do have fast trains. I don't think we have trains that are that fast. But he says this, now Now he, Spurgeon said, he that follows Christ, he that follows Christ shall never walk in darkness. I don't know about you, but but I, I, I spent enough time, and Paul talks about it, I spent enough time in the dark. I don't want to walk in the dark. One of the things, you know, I was, I've, you know, I'd like to do f- interesting things to make, uh, make a point. And, you know, if we had curtains, we could pull all the curtains down and make it really, really dark in here. Some churches you go to, and, and nothing against them, but some churches, they have no windows, and it's so dark in there, and they do that so they can have their light shows and everything, and that's cool. But I really like to have light in here. I like it It's light. We don't even have to turn the lights on because there's so much light. Jesus said, if we're following him, we'll never walk in darkness. We'll have the light of light. Spurgeon says, if we follow Christ, we'll never walk in darkness. Now, at the equator, are you with me on this? We're still talking about going around the earth. At the equator, does anybody know how fast you would have to... I haven't finished the question yet. (laughs) How fast you'd have to go to keep up at the equator with the sun. Okay. A thousand miles an hour. That's right. It's a little more than that, but it's roughly a thousand miles an hour. If you're at the equator. That's pretty fast, though, isn't it? Now, again, but if you go, let's say, 60 degrees north or 60 degrees south, and you, you know, it becomes less, you only need to go like 500 miles an hour to keep up with the sun, to stay in the light. Now, you can't keep that doing, doing that forever, obviously. If you're in an airplane, uh, you can only do it until you run out of gas, right? Do we have any planes that can travel 1,000 miles an hour? How about 500? Well, your regular you know, commercial airliners, they travel about 500 miles an hour, give or take, right? Anybody know what the speed of sound is? Someone? No, more. 700, 767 miles per hour, the speed of sound. So uh, you say, what does this have to do with anything? Well, not much, but I find it interesting anyways. 767 miles per hour. So, so if you had to go 500, you can do that without any problem. But if, you, if you're going to go out the equator to go 1,000 miles an hour, which there are planes that go that fast, when you hit 767 miles per hour, what happens? You hear the sonic boom, right? And 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 so there are planes, you know the the. And I didn't I didn't know this, but Mach one is the speed of sound. That's what Mach one means. It's one one times 767. Seven. So Mach two is double that, right? Anyways, uh, you know the Mig planes, the Russian Migs can go Mach. which is 2,450. Uh, We have a a plane, which I think they're retiring, though, uh, the SR-71, 2,570. But there's something called the X-15, which goes Mach 6.72, which is like 5,000 miles an hour. That's insane. But, But just this last November, NASA... I stumble on all these weird things. NASA is testing uh, how to break the sound barrier and not make the sonic booms, so that our commercial airlines can get there faster. Right? Right now they can't. You know they can't go any faster really. And if they design them to go faster, they would. You know we'd be hearing sonic booms all the time, right? And it's just people don't accept that. We can't accept that. It, it bothers me. Well, don't listen. Uh, you know. But they're, so they're, they're studying how they, can, how they can solve that problem and, and, and make it a thump instead of a boom. Anyways, the point of all this to me is that for you and I to follow the sun. It's going to, it, it may take some effort. It may cost us a little bit, and, and it might even be a little bit noisy to keep up with the sun. There's a cost involved for you and I to follow Jesus. I talked about that a few weeks ago. You know, there's a great divide between those that do follow Jesus and those that don't. There's a, a great divide in between the two. Are you and I going to stand up and and confess the name of Jesus or are we going to run and hide? Following Jesus. If we're not following him, we're we're going to find ourselves in all kinds of darkness. If we're not willing to follow and and die to ourselves, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross, he says, and follow me. That's what his sheep do. They follow me. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He wants us to follow him. But, but is there a cost involved? I, you know, for me to just say, yeah, it's just like, you, know, just like you, you see the shepherd in the field and they just follow the shepherd. The sheep just follow along and no problem. That just reminded me. And uh, I should have brought the video because it was just insane. But we... We're in Italy, right? We were uh, up near Mount Etna, and we were uh, in this kind of a rural area, kind of a farm, agricultural area, and and uh, we wanted to just go and get some pictures of Mount Etna, which is off, was off in the distance, and there's snow up there, and we wanted to get some pictures. So we just drive. We're just driving down the street uh, from where we uh, were staying, and all of a sudden. The, all these dogs jump out and start chasing our car. Like, I mean, like, you know, eight or nine of these dogs just barking and chasing. And we're going like, what is going on here? And then, and then there's this giant field out to the right of us. And, and I'm, t- and I'm not exaggerating. There was probably a thousand goats in this field. and, and, there were shepherds there. We saw these two guys. They had a couple of cars. So I don't know what they were doing, uh, but the dogs really were the ones who were shepherding these goats. But but there was a, a thousand of goats, and they and they had a lot of them had the, the the clanking sort of bells around their neck, and and so they're they're making their way across this giant field, and and it was so noisy. It was insane. But they were following their shepherds, right? And the shepherds were leading the dogs, and the, and, and the dogs were, were fo- you know, helping the, the goats to follow, and it was so noisy and intense. It, but, but, but for you and I to follow Jesus, it sometimes gets like that. It's not always a you know, quiet little peaceful time that we're going to follow Jesus. Sometimes it gets insane. You want me to do what? You want me to go where? How in the world? You know, I heard some guy on on ARV, or actually it was on Caleb. Sorry, I listened to both. And he and he talked about, you know, the things that that Jesus asked, sometimes they're impossible. But with God all things are, are possible. He says it goes from impossible to difficult to done, he said. He was quoting some missionary. Sometimes Jesus wants us to do things, and and, and as we're following Him, it, it, it can get insane, it can get intense, it can get crazy even. But is it worth it? I think so. Just to get out of the darkness is worth it. i got a few more scriptures for you before we have communion here in just a couple of minutes. David, the singer of Israel... It says that he's saying these words You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. I love that, don't you? The Lord turns my darkness into light. Who can do it? Can you turn your darkness into light? I can't. I try. But he says, The Lord turns my darkness into light. Another passage, now this one is a little bit longer, but really what he's talking about here is, in Micah, he's talking about when we blow it, and we find ourselves in a dark place. Does that ever happen? Yeah, it does. What does he say? He says, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior, my God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Don't you love that? Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. There's consequences, but until he pleases my case and establishes my right, and that's done at the cross, he will bring me out into the light, and I will see his righteousness. He will bring me out into the light. He's the one who does that. How did he do that? He did that at the cross. That's why we're going to celebrate communion, because he brings us out of the darkness. And even when we blow it, even when we fall, he forgives us. That's why, and, and, and you know, is there any of us that are without sin? We talked about that. The righteous Pharisees, they, they thought they were, you know, they, they, they thought they were without sin. When we fall, when we blow it, he says, Though I sit in darkness, though I have fallen, I will rise, and the Lord will be my light. This is God's word. One more. But you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, not only we were living in darkness, we actually were dark. But he says, you are now light in Jesus. But he wants us to live as children of light. Live, if, if, we're, if, if we're light in the Lord, if we belong to Jesus and we're walking in darkness, you know, there's something not right there. It's not adding up. The math isn't working. Live as children of light. He goes on to say, I'll just read it here. He says, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed to the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. The light shows everything for what it is. Live as children of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And can you and I say that he's the light of my world. First of all, as we have become a believer in Jesus Christ, that we are now light in the Lord. We have our our lives have been changed. He's taken that darkness out of our hearts and put light in there. But we also have a choice of following him once we do become children of light. We're going to walk in the light or are we going to walk in the dark? It's our choice. Every day we make choices. Scripture, Jesus talked about, you know, our eyes, the eye gate, you know. If we let a lot of darkness in through the eye gate, what did he say? You're going to be full of darkness. But if we let light, good light, good things in, we'll be full of light. What we watch, what we look at on the computers, you know, this this is a big thing right now. The enemy wants to take us down. He wants to trap us and take us in a lot of weird, different directions. But we want to follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me. Let's pray together before we have communion and and, kind of just take a couple of minutes just to quiet ourselves, quiet our hearts before him. And as we come to the table, this idea of communion, we're communing with him. We're communing with each other. We're partaking of this together. And and, uh, Jesus wants you and I to know that light. Let's pray together first before we're going to have the cup and the bread passed out. Well, let's pray first. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, we come before you and you are so bright. I look within myself and all I see is darkness. I look around at the world and all I see is darkness, but I look at you and I see light. I see life. You turn our darkness into light. You are the light of our world. You're the light of my world. Even when we stumble and fall, We find ourselves in dark places. You're there to raise us up and to fill us with new light, new life, forgiveness. And that's why we come to the cross today, Jesus. Your your cross is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago to forgive, to cleanse, to redeem. To set us back on, on a good path on the right path we need you we need it we need the cross that's why we celebrate on a regular basis because we need to be reminded over and over again Lord Lord I need thee every hour I need thee you're the light of my world Maybe you need to talk to him right now and just maybe clear something up. Maybe you've never asked him into your life. You can do it now and partake, celebrate, commune with him and with us. Just ask him in. Receive him into your life and heart. That's all you have to do.